recorded live. Okay, it's official. So how's everyone doing? Let's just start with a check-in. I see people are coming on as, as we start, but that's okay. We can just begin a little bit. Anyone gone to birth or, or, or interviewing or... I did three interviews. Hi. Hi. Oh, more people are popping on. Let's do this. Who, who said that, that they had three interviews? Oh, Frankie. I did three. Like, that's great. Yeah. Um, one, yeah. I, one was on Skype because we could never meet. It kept every day that we planned to meet, it was snowing. <laughs> like, really bad. Like, we were like, I was like, oh, I, like, okay. So we ended up Skyping each other. How did that go? It, it went really well. We're going to, like, meet in March for, like, the first prenatal. So oh, she's, cool. not doing, she's not doing until Memorial Weekend. Okay. And then I'm meeting with another couple to do their first prenatal on the 9th. And she's due in March, March 14th. Great. Congratulations. That's exciting. They hired you on the Skype one. Yeah, both of them did, yeah. But one I actually met and the other one I Skyped. But, yeah, she did. Um. Right. She has um it it was interesting because she has like extreme fear of the hospital. So it was an interesting one. She says she has a fear of everything medical. It doesn't matter what it is. And this is like her second birth. She has a two year old already. Okay. Hi everyone, it's Liz. Hi Liz. Hi, Liz. Hi, Liz. Hi, it's Kelly. Hi. Hi, Kelly. Hi. So we're just checking in. I'm just asking how everyone's doing and if you've gone to any births or had interviews or have any questions kind of about getting clients. Um, you know, we can kind of focus a little bit more on on the the actual work of, of being at a birth and um, kind of your thoughts around that if you have had any birth experiences up until now. Um, tonight's call is focused on the language of birth and postpartum and really thinking more about the narratives that we hear in the birth room um, and how we can also impact change with the language that we use with women and families as well as care providers. Um, so, you know, if someone has had some birth experience that they'd like to share, we can also hear it through that lens, too, of what, what what did you notice? You know, what language was supportive or not? Um, were there things that you said that felt like you can really help, help the woman, um, you know, in labor or in postpartum and um, just kind of shaping our conversation around the power of language and how, how much um, impact it has, especially when women hear things that may not feel, you know, supportive. Um, so we can just kind of open it up. And if you guys do have, you know, some experience, that, that's great, too. I'd love to hear about it. Um, this is Nikki, and uh, I have a question, and I know 
most of the ladies in New York probably won't have to deal with this, but uh, I had a client that I actually got through our hospital um, nearby through a social worker, and I was supposed I was supposed to attend her birth, but the first snowstorm we had a couple of days ago, she went into labor that day, and I was just wondering if anyone has a clause or if anyone knows, I guess, mainly, um, could we be considered essential workers? I know we're not actually, you know, delivering the baby, but we would be there for the birth of their baby um, because I, I explained to her that if the weather was bad that I wouldn't be able to come and she really, really wanted me to come and continue to ask me and continue to even try to get, you know, a ride for me. But with the weather that we had, I was not comfortable going out there. And on top of that, we had a she agreed that it was okay for me to have my newborn there, which was great, but I wasn't comfortable going out in the middle of the night with all those conditions, you know, to the birth. And so I explained that to her beforehand, and I explained it to her during her birth, and I didn't end up going because I just wasn't comfortable. I'd be going home around 3 a.m. when it's pretty cold. Um, But I was just wondering if that was something that, you know, clients would expect us to do. Mm-hmm. The, the groups here in New York City were backing each other up, so like calls are going on on the Facebook. Is anybody like right next to Mount Sinai because I have somebody going and there's nobody to like get to her? Um, but no, apparently we're not considered essential personnel. Like we can't be on the roads with a travel ban. Okay. Mm-hmm. And she had even mentioned that because Connecticut had a travel ban the last storm, and I'm like, well, I don't think I'm an essential worker, so. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But that really, it really made me sad because uh, this was her fifth child, but she's from the Cayman Islands, so this is her first child in America, and nothing is like it is down in the island. So, and she just has a very intense fear of going through labor because the last three births were extremely fast and extremely sudden, from pretty much, you know, a few contractions to contractions every two to three minutes within like an hour. Or so, so she was very concerned, and she has children ranging from age 15 to 2, and her husband wasn't able to be there. It was just a very stressful situation on her, and, you know, it didn't turn out. She ended up having her daughter beautifully. She ended up having an epidural, and she was happy that she didn't feel the pain, and I was happy that she was happy with the birth. She was just, you know, upset that she didn't have anyone there to support her. Wow, yeah. Yeah. And then, uh, sorry. No, go ahead. Oh, and I was gonna say, I, uh, I, I really, I do need to uh, get in a call with you, MA, because uh, this was a pretty big shocker. And I know I keep saying, you know, I want to work with, you know, doing community doula, and that hasn't changed. But definitely, this uh, first birth or first client has been a pretty big eye opener because after. Like I said, she has a social worker because she just came to America, and then with her given circumstances of the lack of support, DCS got involved with her uh, case, I guess you could say, because they just feel like she is very high on the spectrum for postpartum depression and post-traumatic stress disorder based off of her um, history. So now in order to be discharged, she had to have... um, support in place to be with her 24-7 when, you know, basically when her husband's not there, there needs to be another adult in the house watching, being around her, making sure she 
can just vet if she needs to or take a break if the baby's crying or anything like that. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I knew, <clears throat> excuse me, I'm sorry. I knew it would be uh, intense, but it's just, you know, very eye-opening for this first birth. And, you know, I just, and then I can, I see it being a lot more involved than I guess uh a typical doula client would be. Mm-hmm. Especially if you're playing more of that kind of primary support role. And um, and also just if there are other organizations, other service-oriented uh, counselors and, you know, social workers involved with any woman, you're right. It just becomes more, more involved. And... Um, there's definitely, I think, a different feeling that I also experience of of, of just, you know, you you're thinking about these these women and they're they're, you hope that they're okay in a different way maybe than you would a client who you know has a partner or family to support them and be with them. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I think you just you do carry carry the load, so to speak, in a different way um, of 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 just feeling so connected and wanting to, um, you know, help. Mm-hmm. Um, That's uh, pretty much and I think, you know, yeah, it's, yeah. And sometimes you will be working with women that, you know, they're either in a relationship that's abusive or maybe they're, you know, struggling with their own, their own situation. Who knows if it, there's, there's drug addiction or, you know, all kinds of things, abuse in the house. Um, and so it's really important if, you know, if you are working um, within that kind of scope that you also have more support in terms of how other counselors, other um, other people play a role in that woman's life as well. Because I don't think as the doula we have to become that, all-encompassing person who has all of the solutions, you know. I think we are still a resource and we are still unconditional support and we are still present in that way, but there's also a recognition that you can only do so much. Exactly. And uh, especially if someone's new to the country or doesn't speak English or is navigating the entire system of what it is to live in America, you know, housing, jobs, all of that. Yeah, and uh, I had to draw a line, and I was, again, especially after missing her birth, I was feeling bad and feeling like, you know, okay, what can I do to make up for this and make sure that I'm there? But uh, like I said, with someone needing to be there with her all the time, you know, she doesn't have anybody or have many people, and, you know, she kind of took my doula role as becoming her friend, and, you know, she told her social worker, she's like, well, I have my doula, you know, and we can arrange, you know, maybe I can go to her house or she can go to my house. And, you know, she has kids, my children, my youngest children's age, she has a two-year-old and now she has her newborn. She's like, you know, we can just be there with each other. And when I talk to the social worker, I'm like, I can't be with her seven days a week. That's basically what she was ha- had in her head because, of course, you know, she wants to take her daughter home. So, and I have pretty much been the most supportive person outside of, you know, DCF and social workers, but, uh, you know, I have to explain as much as, you know, I'm here to help you. I have my 
own children, you know, I have my own things that I have to do, and I told her I could do two days a week, but I can't be there every day. <laughs> and, uh, yeah. you know, I feel I could see it in her eyes that that really hurt her, but, mm-hmm. you know, I had to draw the line. Yeah, it's hard. So, you know, I think like all, with every family we support, having those conversations as much as you, as you can, you know, ahead of time and having a contract that you're really going through with, with every woman we're supporting so they're very, very clear on what the role is and what the expectations are. And if you're doing more community-based work, sometimes the benefit of having an organization be part of that um, really can, can be a support for the doula. So, you know, that could be a lot. It could be something like by my side doulas or a healthy start chapter or, you know, um, mm-hmm. a, a larger organization that I know in Syracuse as we're building out our community-based program, we have a lot of protocols that are pretty much the same as a community health worker, mm-hmm. you know, or a nursing mm-hmm. assistant would have. Um, so we have these these protocols that we also have to abide by as the doulas. And part of it is setting healthy boundaries and also just really being clear about what we do, what we don't do, you know, having any grievance reports in place, um, domestic violence policies, uh, substance abuse policies, transportation safety, all of that then has to be reconsidered. And so it's really helpful to have um, either your own group started, you know, if that was really your calling, you could have your own group started, or it would be um, finding a chapter or some organization who would be willing to kind of build out a community-based program, you know, mm-hmm. and you'd have that foundation to follow to support you, really, because right now you're kind of just operating as an independent and probably just learn, you know, you learn as you go with everything, but... Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it makes it hard. Sure. Definitely. I've had to really lead my, especially my new postpartum clients, like not to trivialize because I'm like she's really going through a lot, but like just getting people mommy groups and trying to like introduce them to other local people who can like they can hang out with and become friends with kids the same age. I found that to be really powerful. Mhm. Yeah. Yeah kind of being like a resource to help build community, you know. Maybe there are similar women in the same position or, you know, someone she could connect with. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, in terms of weather, I think you know, when we talked about contracts last time, there there was a clause about inclement weather. And you can have, you can choose to have that or not in your contract. And I don't know if, you know, if there was any exchange of funds or, or anything like that, but that's also when it may play into it, where something's written into your contract. Um, you know, it sounds like you were out of your comfort zone just to travel with the baby and those mm-hmm. kids didn't feel safe, you know, let alone whatever, like, state ban there was on travel. But, you know, you have to, you, 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 I think as doulas we do reserve the right if we don't feel safe in a situation of any kind that, if, you know, we we do have the the leeway, I guess, to say we can't be there. You know, because I think we assume we're going to really try to be there, regardless of what's going on. So mm-hmm. it would have to take a lot for most doulas to not be there. Some kind of safety issue, travel issue, illness. You know, and so when that's written into a contract, that's another way to just review it with people. 
so that you're not working through those feelings real time when someone's in labor or after. Mm-hmm. And we can talk more if you want to set up a call just to kind of talk more about what just, you know, your feelings around it. Or Thank you. The experience felt like, yeah. Um I had one um, question that was not really related to any of that, but um, I did my first birth last month, a couple of weeks ago, and um, everything went really, really well. Um, it was, like, totally picture perfect. The only thing that I experienced that I guess deep down I was kind of prepared for, but I hadn't really thought about it much, is that um, I'm known to be a fainter, <laughs> like, Especially in, like, times of, like, blood or anxiety. Like, I fainted after both of my births. Um, and so I sort of, like, didn't even think about that. And I made it, you know, I made it through the whole um, birth and the baby being born. And everything was great. And I felt great. And then um, her husband left to go and request a private room. And he was gone for, like, 15 minutes. And that was at the time that she was holding the baby and she had some really, really bad tearing and the midwife was repairing her. And I totally felt like I was going to faint. And I was standing next to her. And, you know, like it gets worse when you are standing still for a really long time. So I was standing next to her, like rubbing her arm, talking to her, giving her water. And um, she started, she was in a lot of pain now because of the the repairing. And um, I I could tell that I was going to, and like I had to like, step back and pull one of the hospital chairs over so that I was sitting next to her at the bed. But then as soon as her husband came in the room, I was like, I have to step out, I have to go to the bathroom. And, like, I had to totally sit down on the bathroom floor. I was so, I could wow. feel that I was really pale. And I was like, shit, what am I going to do? <laughs> but I mean, within a few minutes in the bathroom of being by myself and, like, some deep breaths and some water in my face, I was fine. But yeah. it was like, it was a, suddenly I'm like, oh, my gosh, am I not cut out for this? Like, what do I do? <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. I've had a few other doulas share very similar experiences. Yeah. Um, where they had to like they walked out and one just like laid on a gurney in the yeah. hallway. And she did throw up as well. But um yeah. like yeah, it was just like a wave, a wave of dizziness and just like blood dropping and you know, yep. blood pressure and just she knew she was going down. Yeah. Um I mean, I think it happens, you know. I mean, especially if you're somebody who's prone to that and, and you know the signs, which is great, you, you know, pull, like, at mm-hmm. least, you know, you're, like, able to act and respond and kind of cover. Right. I mean, and it may be just also, you know, does it, like, the visual, were you looking? No, you know what, I really think that it's, um, I, because it's, ha- you know, it happens to me not frequently, but, like, in other areas of life, and it's, um I think it's more an adrenaline thing, like like it happens mm-hmm. after like something really intense happens. So like I you know, I never get that way in the moment of when it's happening. It's usually after. Mm-hmm. Like it happened with my daughter, like I delivered her, everything was great. I was laying in the hospital bed and then like maybe a half hour, 45 minutes later, I think my adrenaline drops and something happens oh, with wow. my blood pressure and it just bottoms out. Yeah. So I think it happened with that, like the high of like, oh, she just gave birth and this is amazing, and and then it was like, whoosh. Wow. Yeah. Does eating or drinking help? Like, what if you had like honey sticks or something that you could just yeah, quickly... it might 
It might help. You know, and I had like, a kind bar in my bag, and it was just mm-hmm. what what was so terrible at that moment is that it was just me and her. Mm-hmm. So I really like had her husband been there, it would have been like as soon as I started to feel that way, I would have been like, I'm gonna step out for a moment, or like it would have been so much easier. But it was just me. Mm-hmm. So you know, like the nurse was yeah. cleaning up and the midwife was repairing her, and it was just me standing there. So I couldn't really step aside at this intense moment for her where they were stitching her up. Mm-hmm. So I'm just hoping that it doesn't always play out in that way where it's just me, you know. Yeah, yeah. And usually, I mean, yeah, it's one of those things too. Like, would you would you bring it up in a prenatal? You know, like, yeah. Like probably not. I mean, I would probably yeah. take precautions at like just even after a birth. You know, just just have some kind of drink with you or some kind mm-hmm. of like nourishment. And eat yeah. it right in front or drink something or offer them something as well yeah. while you're doing something. And then, you know, be more prepared by the heads up that now you experienced it once and you'll know from, you know. Yeah. My next one, um, she's, I'm on call for her now. She, It's a home birth. And I, I sort of feel like that might help a little bit because mm-hmm. it's in a home setting. It's not in a hospital. I'm not going to be necessarily like standing on my feet next to a hospital bed with, like, I, I sort of feel like in the home it's a little easier to like, for me to like walk on the other side of a wall for a minute or two and collect myself as opposed to in a hospital room where you're kind of just stuck there. Yeah. And it may also be that like the more you do this, the less it feels like. Right. Right. You know, because it was your first birth and, you know, yes, every birth is powerful and you kind of have this moment of excitement and adrenaline, but the more you get comfortable with it too, I think maybe that will help too. Yeah, I hope so. You're cut out for it. You you know, I think this I've definitely heard similar similar stories and either throwing up or fainting or just feeling like they were going to pass out and right. you know, and it's also if you're at a really long birth and you just haven't you're dehydrated mm-hmm. or, you know, I mean I think it could happen to anybody too. Um, even if you don't have a tendency right towards fainting. Right. But it's just that scary feeling of like, Oh my goodness, oh, I'm going the worst feeling. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, okay. yeah. Um, but that was it. Otherwise, it was really great. And I mean, I know I emailed you leading up to it. Um, of course, yeah. like my daughter had like a stomach virus on the same day that my client emailed and said, like, I lost my mucus plug and I've been having contractions all the day. <laughs> and then like not two hours later, my daughter wakes up in the middle of the night throwing up. And I was like, oh, my gosh. <laughs> so... But it was good. She held Stacy held out a few more days and everybody in my house got better and that was that. Yes, it was a good first experience. (laughs) (laughs) Great. Anybody else? Or any questions too about language? Anything you're noticing around that or the way even that birth is talked about? I read the article that you posted, and I think that'll be really helpful for me. I'm just um, finishing up all of my medical clearances to start to be able to um, take take shifts on the labor and delivery floor. Oh, great! Very yeah. exciting. Yeah, yeah, that's really great. Yeah, I think I noticed that script. So I posted late this afternoon a blog I wrote a couple of years ago around, it was called Birth Script. And it was really just about this 
script, this repetitive script that I have heard little snippets, sentences, time and time again in pretty much anywhere I've ever lived. It doesn't matter if I move or I'm in a different type of hospital and in a different state, it's the same sort of language. And um, I posted a blog about kind of like some of the phrases that are typical. I can pull it up too while we're while we're talking, but and, and just kind of question like, what would it mean if we spoke with different words? Um, yeah. And so I love that. Simple, you know, simple things like, and it doesn't necessarily mean that it's coming from a bad place, but I do think it sends a message to women when, you know, women are called like sweetie and honey, and like you know, a woman's name is is. Catherine, she goes by Catherine, and in comes a you know resident or a nurse saying Kathy, 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 or she's a Jennifer, but she's being called Jenny over and over, or Susan or Susie, and it happens all the time. And I think it's a way that most people are trying to relate to the woman that they're you know they're supporting, but there's this underlying message that you're not a woman, you're a girl, and we're here to take care of you. Um, and and you know I'm always. I'm always amazed at, at how much that's repeated. Um, the other thing that I feel like I hear a lot is about the baby. So if the baby is like, you little stinker, or like, you're so stubborn, or, you know, this must be a boy because there's taking so long to get out, you know, that little stubborn guy, like little things that seem pretty harmless, and yet, you know, they're always still sending a message to that mother and to the baby as well. Um, so I kind of had made a list about things that I had heard time and time again and then, and, and, oh, yeah, another list that countered it. And so I'm wondering if you guys have heard, you know, does that sound familiar to you? Or let's give her a strong cocktail to take the edge off. That's another one we hear all the time. Or, you know, you don't have to be a warrior. There's nothing to prove here, honey. Um or even just noting, like walking into the room and someone saying to a laboring woman, like, wow, you look like you're in so much pain. It must really hurt, you know? Um, and how different it would feel if somebody walked in and said, like, wow, you have so much power. You are so strong, you know? Or your baby knows exactly how to come out. Your baby is intelligent and we're patient enough to wait right now. There's no need to rush. What have you guys heard? What 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 stands out? I had a friend of mine um, just uh, just have a baby, and she was saying that her mother was there, and her mom, who she has a great relationship with her mom, and was really happy to have her mom there. But her mom just kept saying the same thing over and over: "Is like, honey, you can do it. Honey, you're doing it. Honey, you can do it." And she said she said it over and over again for like six hours. And she's like, it was a very nice and encouraging thing that she was saying, like the first ten times that she said it, and then I wanted to rip my skin off because she wouldn't stop. Um, so that definitely was like, made me think, because you do, you get in a groove of like saying the same thing over and over again. It's like it made me like make a mental note to be more aware of varying up my supportive comments. <laughs> totally. Totally. It's almost a challenge, I feel like. I'm always trying to come up with words I've never said to other women that, like, I've also never heard. And and it, it's, it becomes, you know, it's, an, it's really just about, like, responding in the moment. Like, right. wow, you're so strong, you're amazing, or just, you know, 
that's exactly the way to do it or totally distrust your body right now, feel that or gather that determination. You can push your baby out, you know. Um, I think what I see more more often is just how women are not being spoken to as women in control of the situation, mm-hmm. but as young girls or adolescents really that need to be helped or saved from this situation. And um, and how true that is just in basic, in our managed care model of birth. You know, and then how really vital our role as doulas can be because you could say one or two things differently that would really shift the whole energy, even just by speaking up at times, we shift it because maybe there's an assumption that you won't speak up or in a way that would really kind of um, it's, carve out your role, really, you know? Um, and I think it can be a really powerful tool, too, for advocacy. Um I just on one of the sentences to counter to counter what what's what is usually said, I just said, give yourself permission to feel whatever you're feeling, and actually just saying something like that out loud to a doctor or to a nurse, you know really to the woman, but for them to hear you say that as well changes maybe how they're viewing the fact that they may not be giving her that permission um to feel what she's you know feeling that you're experience is important too and valued right now you know things like that usually don't get said i know how much you've worked for this moment we can all be patient enough to support you right now we're here for you you know um it's just so different than come on get angry at your baby push harder (laughs) i mean (laughs) i've heard that so many times get angry get mad at your baby come on get mad that's such a weird thing to say. Mm-hmm. Well, it's like to like invoke this, like, oh, right, like, I want to push, get mad, yeah, let's do this. And it's like, oh, my gosh, like, what are we saying to this woman who's birthing life? Get mad at your baby? I mean, yeah, get that's... mad at your body? Yeah. You know? And how most of the time, really, this is just the regular lingo, like <laughs> never, never touched upon as maybe something that's problematic. It's just been language has become so accepted, and a particular script and narrative has become so accepted that we don't we don't really react for the most part, even as doulas or caretakers or you know, I mean, the care providers, because they hear it all the time. So I think that's that's one of the points that you know comes to mind is just because they're hearing this all the time, to say something even a little bit different from the script really is, is stands out. You know? Mm-hmm. Autopilot. Who else? I'd love to hear from everybody just a little bit. I'm really happy to have that list of kind of different things that you can and different like ways of framing the experience I haven't done a birth yet but I feel like that's going to be so helpful to uh, be that support instead of just kind of saying what everyone else is saying because they're saying it Uh, Mm -hmm. and knowing about those things going into it is 
really encouraging. Great. Have you been able to reach out to other networks, or are you finding are you finding that it's it's challenging to find find clients right now, or are you fo- are you focused on on other parts of the program, or? Um, I'm finding it a little bit difficult to find clients. Mm-hmm. I'm not quite sure why. I think um, I had one interview that I thought went fantastic, um, and the woman sent me her birth plan, and I sent her my intake form, and that was two weeks ago, and I've emailed her and I've texted her over the last two weeks, maybe once each. Mm-hmm. Um, and she hasn't responded. She's just given me the cold shoulder. So mm-hmm. that's that's the only interview I've done so far. Mm-hmm. But I did find a doula support group um, right in Montclair, which is really close to me. Oh, so, great. yeah, um, the meeting got snowed out last week, but there will be one next month. So <laughs> <laughs> Is that Kelly talking? Yeah. Kelly, there are so many people in your area that want to do that. How are you finding them? <laughs> <laughs> Wait, because Kelly's my backup doula, and both of my clients are live closer to Kelly than me. <laughs> Where did you find them? Yeah, um, there's like because I'm on this. Well, I have a friend who lives in that area, and then both she and I are on this mom's like moms in that area. And okay. she posted that I was training for a doula. And then, like, all of these gr- women reached out to me, and I was like, all right, it, 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 hold your horses, people. Like, I have a lot <laughs> going on. But right. there were, like, quite a few people that reached out to me. Okay. Um, I guess if I hear from anyone else, I'm just going to send them directly your way. Because that's you're totally in fine. that area. Yeah. Oh, that's great. I'm really close to a lot of hospitals. That's I know. Great. It, it will it will open up every yeah. uh, just just so you know every doula we well, we've all had interviews where we walk away thinking like I loved them they loved me that was <laughs> an awesome interview I'm so excited like that I just I'm so I'm just totally confident that you're you're their doula you know and then either there's a back and forth and then you either say sorry I went with someone else or. You know, and, and, and other times you have an interview and you didn't feel that way and the chemistry wasn't there and you kind of feel like, you know what, all right, probably not. But, you know, it, it's just part of it. It's just you'll get used to it and then and then you'll start to feel like, you know, you'll get busy and it won't feel as hard. Yeah. But it's definitely everyone experiences it. So just, you know. Thank you. That I'm not just the only one with that. <laughs> You're not. You really, it will happen to everyone, and just it's part of this work. So, you know, but it will be great for you guys to network more and back each other up. That's wonderful. I start auditing um, a childbirth class in this month, mid month. I think it's kind of long though. Was it like a five or six week series? Yeah, like that's a lot of weeks. It's supposed to be that many weeks. I don't remember. I haven't had <laughs> a know. baby in so long. I don't remember. 
I think I think it's a model. I think it's a model that's out there. I don't think it's like the only way to do it. I think there's a lots of intensives now and just shorter classes because people are so busy. But I do feel like there was a time where every childbirth class felt like it was like a six-week series, mm-hmm. and that's how it was taught. So some hospitals still have that, um, and some private childbirth education, you know, classes also do a six-week, five-week class. Yeah, I, I just did. I was thinking it's so long. Is it supposed to be that long? And I yeah. don't remember because the last time I went, I, of course, I, I don't know. My daughter's going to be twenty-one in June. So that was, like, forever ago. And I think when I had my second daughter, I was like, I remember thinking, I'm not doing these classes again. Let's see who offers a one-day refresher course. And mm-hmm. that was it. But I took that as... Are you getting like, a lot out of it, or is it just kind of feeling redundant? I, or? I haven't start. I start February 16th, I think. Oh, okay. I haven't started yet. I start. I start this month, though. There's and I guess I'll weekend. let you know how it's going on our next call. There's a lot or of weekend intensives, you. too, if you can find one of those. Like, I did a weekend intensive where it's Saturday and Sunday all day. Mm-hmm. So, those are becoming more and more common, I think. And all day is only six hours with, like, an hour and a half off for lunch. That's so really painless. I've sat in, that, in the Caritas class for the past uh, yeah. three months, and I'm going to start teaching with Sam next month, which I'm really looking forward to. Um, oh, great. What are you going to be teaching? The childbirth us. Oh, awesome. Yeah. Um, Sam wants a little bit of respite from the economy she's doing every month, um, those two days herself. So, you know. Mm-hmm. That's great. I have a slight amount of anxiety because obviously she's been to like 8 million births and I not so much, but I feel she's coming with so much more experience to the table than me when it comes to certain birth models. But um, but I am excited. Yeah. It's going to be, like, really helpful to, you know, see all these, like, families through their journey just even from the side mm-hmm. And just so you know, you don't have to be a childbirth educator. I mean, you don't have to be a doula to be a childbirth educator. Right. You know? Mm-mm. So you'll come from a sort of a different perspective of kind of starting this part of it, but also having this this body of knowledge of teaching, you know? Ursula, um, mm-hmm. um, I actually learned about it um, in the in our class. Um, the what, what is it called again, Ame? The um, something something Metropolitan Childbirth Education. Mm-hmm. That whole long oh, program. Oh, E A M N Y. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. So they they do um, in addition to their like nine month or or eighteen month training to be to get certified as a childbirth educator, they have tons of workshops like that that you would take all these workshops if you were doing the program, but you can also register for just one or two of the workshops. Mm-hmm. And audit them. I've had my eyes on those too. There's some really cool ones. Yeah, but there's one. Um, I mean, I signed up for two for like teaching breastfeeding and teaching newborn care because I'm going to be doing mm-hmm. those at Diaperkind in the spring. But um, I just signed up for those two workshops and they're giving them at birthday presents in Park Slope. Oh, that's cool. I don't even so know where I'm doing the CLC training in March. Um, Mama Mia, maybe? Oh, yes. That's over by me. That's on Court Street. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, she's great. I took. Are you doing the full CLC training, or are you doing? I, just... I am. I've just had too much request for like that particular service for my post clients. I feel like that's right. what they all want. Right. Um, that's yeah. exciting. I, I know you were the... on the fence about that. 
I was, and I I came back to it because it feels really vital. It's in particular from focusing on postpartum work. Um, yeah. You know, birth work it's handy, but like for the post work, it's just all the referrals, and I'm spending so much of these people's time like referring out that I would just love to have that. I find that a lot of these women, they want the expertise and then they believe the same thing that I'm telling them. But, like, if it comes from a CLC or an IBCLC, they, like, hear it, which is, like, bizarre, but like, I can do that, you know? I can convince yeah. them, like, yes, you are making enough milk for your baby. And, look, I can put your baby on a scale, same as, like, your IBCLC with you. Like, let's do it. Let's like, get this done. We just, um, at the training that I did last week, or a week before in Syracuse, we had a guest teacher come for the IBCLC. She's an IBCLC um, to teach part of the breastfeeding, and that's what she said. She was like, honestly, yes, like I know all this additional information, but the truth is most of the things you'll be seeing as postpartum doulas, it will fit within like within your scope. Like they may still want to <laughs> have more answers, and you may feel like you need to refer out, but for the most part, mm-hmm. You know they're looking. They're it's they're looking for some basic information. So I think it's great yeah. to have. It. I think um, it's, especially when you're focusing your practice on postpartum to have that extra information is great. You know, it's true. I mean, I'm meet them where they are. It doesn't you know? Mhm. I mean, this isn't you know. Somebody's calling a postula like. They, it's not their finest hour. They are really looking for some help. Like they have concrete issues they need to work through. Um, you know, I've I've had one case where she really just wanted to be reassured. Like she didn't have a lot of contact with babies, and she just wanted to know that, yeah, like she was doing everything right, and that like nothing she was doing was, you know, horribly out of line. And she really just wanted me there for emotional support and a little bit of like the unpacking of her birth experience, which I sort of like counseled her through on the sidelines. You know. Mm-hmm. by email, and, and that was it. But um, everybody else has really needed breastfeeding support. So. Mm-hmm. Although I did I did just uh, book another birth, too, which mm-hmm. was, like, Frankie, I got it um, with a FaceTime call. And I'm really excited. They're, like, it's a, it's a hospital that I've been to before, you know, in, that, in a dual capacity and, um, at NYU. And, you know, these people seem great, so... I think it's going to work really well. Oh, Kelly, I, I think that um, people have been telling me, and it's been really helpful, like, you will get the births that, you know, make the most sense, like, the, the best relationships between you and a person, like, those will click, and that's what you'll get. But I wanted, I just pulled up uh, New York City Metro Doula, the Facebook group, and there's been some mention of New Jersey clients on there as well. Oh, Okay. Are you okay. part of that group, Kelly? That's a really good one. No, I'm not, but I I will join it. Um, mm-hmm. I found there's one the North Jersey North New Jersey Doula Network too. I'm on that one, um, but that's the only one that I found for my area. I'm a little bit if hesitant you... to do the New York ones because it's sort of chore to get into the city. Mm-hmm. This is um. There was somebody looking for. Adula on January 28th, and um, oh crap, I just lost it. But maybe it was near oh, Voorhees, New Jersey. Okay. I'm not sure how far that is, but they have like the mom's email address in here, so I'm sure it's still like within a week. I would give her a shout and see if she's found anybody. 
Right. Yeah. Definitely. What's the name of the the group? Here. Do you want me to add you? I have it. I have it up on my page. If you want me to. Sure. Yeah. That's totally fine. Okay. You have been added pending admin approval. Um. It's just called NYC Metro Metro Doula Group. Okay. There's also a Google group that's called Metro Doula Group, and I see very frequently on those requests for mm-hmm. Jersey, like Montclair, Maplewood area. Oh, wow. Okay. That's a Google group you said? Yeah, it's um, Metro Doula Group at googlegroups.com. Okay. Um, it used to be something else, and they moved it over to a Google group. I'm trying to click on it and see if I can figure out how to invite you, but I'm not okay. sure if I'm able to. So that's a good one just for info, like because you'll get a newsletter into your, um, you'll get like a one of the group, like where it lists out all the conversations that have been happening that day, and some like today's was like infant sleep trouble and blood clots in the uterus and three spots left for acupressure workshop. Like it, it's all like just okay. everything that's going on in the, and people ask medical questions, you know, that they have for their clients and stuff. Right. Mm-hmm. Cool. I think is it is it a Google group? Is that what I'm seeing? I just looked it up I think. Yes. Yeah. I just posted it too on our page. Okay. Great. Thank you guys. That's awesome. Well you know with the birth language, um I did notice that the OB at at NYU is like trying to be really supportive. Um like I was sort of, he'd give her, like, a direction about pushing, and then I would be, like, so, like, you know, hey, like, listen to your body, and let's, like, push the way that feels most natural, and you'd be, like, okay, okay, like, whatever it is that you guys discussed, I don't want to, like, get up in between it, like, I don't know, I don't know why that rubbed me weird, because I know he was trying to be supportive, but I, but, like, he was being, like, whatever, like, you crazy girls want to try, like, it's cool, <laughs> I mean, it's hard not to be sensitive to, like, everything, because you know people are, like, ultimately trying to help, but, you know, I feel a little sensitive, a little bit, like, you know, don't say yeah. the wrong thing or you're going to, like, flip her perspective and she's not going to be able to handle this somehow. Um, no, I'm really mindful of the language, and this is really helpful, this list, but I'm like, uh, how would I, like, stop him from saying something like that? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, you may not, right? So you may not stop them from saying it, but then, you know, how we respond is so important. So it could be... You know, it could be a mirroring back, like, thank you. This is so important what we're talking about right now. I know how much this means to her. So, you know, and you continue. Or, um, you know, I think when it comes to language, too, it's the assumptions that we make just when we, like, just by being doulas as we enter the room. There's so many assumptions about our role and about also how we believe our role to be that plays into a whole bigger dynamic of how communication happens, of how power operates in the room, um, about understanding territory of roles, definitions of our role, all of that is constantly going on just by us showing up with our client. And so, you know, these are the places where I think we actually make a big difference. And it may feel forced. You know, you may you may feel like you're kind of trying something out in in a way that doesn't feel natural at first, but it's so important to not forget that there are already a lot of assumptions in place just by the word doula, just by showing up. Um, 
And so sure. often people will say, like, you know, what can you really do? Like, how can doulas really actually impact change and have a real role as an activist in the birth room? And this is one of the ways that I think we actually have a very big role is in the language that we use. And usually it's the words that we get to say not to the care providers but to our mothers in front of care providers. That can shift it, you know. Um, And I often will say, I know how much you've worked on this, this, this. I know that this fear of an episiotomy was really real for you. How can we take more time right now to make sure that doesn't happen? How can we support you in that? I mean, these are things that I would say in front of a doctor or a nurse and feel totally confident that I'm still supporting my mother, I'm advocating for her without speaking on her behalf, and I'm also changing the way doulas are being perceived. You know, and I'm trying to actually model compassionate care by doing that. So it's, again, like how can language be used in a way that's not antagonistic but starts to shift the way we Think about care for women. Give them an opportunity to have to speak on their own behalf, and that may even be what what needs to be said. What you know, you know, do you need a moment to say what you need to say right now? Just give somebody a little space to speak, you know, about their own experience or decision making or informed consent or anything that we're talking about. And same with postpartum. You know, I mean, we know the hormones are fluctuating and women are having all kinds of experiences after the baby. And so it's the same thing. Language generally focuses on the baby and not the mother, right, on her being okay and not anything else. And so, again, we see how language shows up and birth narratives and postpartum narratives show up when when the baby's born. The health I've of been, the baby, you know, not the mental health of the mother. It seems really horrifying that, that we don't see the mothers, like the mothers are not seen by their care providers for six weeks, no matter what happened in their birth, and, you know, no matter how gnarly things went, and no matter how many complications there could be after the fact, like, I've had a really hard time trying to, like, find resources for supporting these women physically in their recovery, you know? Um how, like, how soon and what sort of exercises can a C-section mom do to feel human again, you know? Mm-hmm. Or to even just start to recover or, like, you know, in the recovery process, like, how can she best move? Um, I don't know if you have any suggestions for resources for that. I, I found that to be a bit of a gap when going through indexes yeah. like crazy, you know? Yeah, well, I think you're right that there's kind of this this phenomenon where it's like, you kind of just need to go rest and not do anything for six weeks until, you know, you can be back on your feet, whether you've had a vaginal birth or a cesarean. But that's not the reality, first of all, for the majority of women. And, you know, I mean, my mind immediately goes to um, just more gentle modalities like acupuncture or Reiki or cranial sacral. Um, massage, you know, other forms of of healing that I think do make a big difference in the healing process and also are are helping the body recover. Fits baths for sure. Um, Mm -hmm. And also getting up. I mean, women aren't 
supposed to just be in bed the whole time. And, you know, I think that you could get up and move around and getting women outside for short periods of time or short walks um, makes a difference too. But I don't know, Kelly, if you can speak to massage with postpartum, especially if it's a cesarean mom, but I feel like there's so much you could do with just... There is so much you can do with prenatal and postnatal for massage. Um, postnatal, a lot of the time, uh, you, I mean, you, you should definitely find someone who has the prenatal certification as well, even if they're not doing a prenatal massage, simply because they'll have more of the equipment, um, like a sideline pillow, or they make these special breast pillows that have, like, a hole for each boob. Um, so if someone's breastfeeding, it's not, you know, super tender for them to lay on or whatever the case may be. Mm-hmm. So, but, yeah, massage is phenomenal for coping afterwards, especially if you can find uh, therapists also trained in Reiki, and then they can kind of incorporate that pretty seamlessly. Mm-hmm. And also one thing that I know I was called upon a lot when I lived in Brooklyn was um, massage therapists that did home visits for postpartum. Mm-hmm. So, like, getting someone to the woman's house you know, day four or five was huge, was huge. Or they'd get home from the hospital, you know, that night and the next day have a massage set up for them. I don't know who Uh is around now, but finding, you know, finding those people that do home visits, I mean, that could be a whole whole niche for someone's business, for someone's body work practice. That sounds like the last... Cranial sacral, too, is great for, Mm -hmm. for newborns and also for the moms. It's just so gentle and relaxing. Okay. There's, like, actually a business model and that I have somebody in mind. I wonder if she'd be interested in home visits. Um, that's a really cool idea. Yeah, maybe it's something that, you know, you incorporate into your postpartum package. I don't know. Mm-hmm where you do X amount of hours of postpartum care, you know, uh, intensive focus also on, on breastfeeding support, and then there's, like, this body support piece, too. That is part of, that you're doing on the back end of your business so that the mom also doesn't have to call that person and set it up, and you know, but it's incorporated into a postpartum visit. That's huge. That's really cool. I mean, for getting them outside, that baby wearing has been indispensable. I think every one of my clients mm-hmm. I've talked to baby wear in some capacity. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, the in-home stuff where it's just not like we're, we're not just running away from their home, but like we're actually making it more comfortable. You know, let's get them a safe mm-hmm. in here. Like, let's get some acupuncture. Awesome. Mm-hmm. Especially in these cold winter months, you know. Mm-hmm. Like I know so many mothers right now, they're just they're they're inside for the next few months. I mean, they've tiny babies that they do not want to be walking around. You know, they're they're they don't want a cold baby. <laughs> it's cold out there. Oh, that would be nice. Um, anybody else? I feel like I feel like there's a couple of people not on the call tonight. Did everyone have a chance to talk? I think so. 
Who's who's in Maryland? I see Maryland. <clears throat> That's me. Kessler. You're there. I'm here. I'm fighting off a cold, so I'm nice. I'm here, but I'm not. I'm, I'm here, but I'm not. Hi. I'm glad to hear your voice. Hi. I'm sorry, you're sick. Oh, it's okay. Yeah, I just like to know who's on the call too, but I can see numbers, but I can't see names. Um, I wanted to ask ask you guys how this time is feeling for you still, because we originally said it because I had the six thirty call earlier on Mondays that that group finished, they certified already. So if we wanted to make it earlier, we could. Unless seven forty five still feels like a good time for you all. I can't. I completely can't do earlier. I don't get home from work till close to this time. Okay. I definitely can't do earlier either. I usually cut off my last client at seven o'clock so I can okay. be home. Okay. So is it working for you now this time? Yeah. It works on the later side. It's the end of the day, but if it's still working for you guys, <laughs> we can keep it. Okay. Um, great. Any questions at all about tonight or anything else? Actually, I was wondering, uh, what is up with this regional coordinator role that, um, what, I don't know, can you speak to it? Yes, Simone, the, I know she's trying to get people, um, rallied. I just was wondering what's going on with that. Yeah. So this year we started... Um, more of like a regional ambassador representative position, and it was open to anybody. Um, you didn't have to be certified; it could, you could you could do it. Um, and so the idea behind it is really just to strengthen DTI communities wherever wherever there are communities. And sometimes there's only one DTI doula, but they're trying to start or bring a training to an area. And there's just a lot of space to create what works for your own region. It may be DTI info night, you know, where doulas are getting together. It could be around a project. It could be around a panel discussion. Um, It's really up to the group. Um, Mm -hmm. But as we grow, we're having more DTI doulas in areas, and then people would say, who else is in New York? You know, other people that did other trainings um, wanted to connect. So the idea is really um, to strengthen our community and give you guys more in-person support with each other if you're in an area together. Um, and if you don't have anyone, you know, you could start. You could start your own group and start building from there. Um, that's kind of that's kind of the gist. It sounds cool for sure. Um, I love the you know the group aspect, brainstorming and all that. I'm, I think I don't know. I think maybe she's having trouble. My perspective is always a thing. She's having you know, trouble. What? I'm wondering if she's having if other people are having the trouble committing their time like I am. Like I just don't know what extra I can put in right now. Right. I mean, I you know. emailed her back and said that I would definitely be interested, and she was looking for a space, and I said that she could do it. At diaper kind if she did it weekends or evenings, um, and she said, "I guess that she was going to feel out 
when people are available and if anyone is even interested and then get back to me, but I haven't heard back from her in a while. So I'm, I am wondering if she is having trouble getting people to to really actually commit or be interested or yeah i'm I'm interested in things always that live virtually, and I'm like any group I love to participate in um I'm obsessed about getting to a meeting because that's always a huge struggle. I'm having so much trouble planning my my prenatals and even my client interviews it's like it's a disaster mm-hmm. yeah, I think you know I think for some communities it may be bi monthly and for others it will be monthly, and it will depend on the region you know. For Syracuse, it's like 10 minutes to get to anywhere. You know what I mean? (laughs) We have a couple of women that are maybe, you know, within a 20-mile radius or in rural areas. But it's different in Brooklyn and Manhattan. And we actually had, we're thinking about having a separate person for New York City, too. So um, there was some interest, but she hasn't really followed, followed up about it. So that position may still be open for those of you living in New York City if that would work better. You mean um, separate from Simone? What, what yeah, separate from the Brooklyn. Oh, group. I see. Oh. I see what you're saying. Mm-hmm. Because Simone's in Brooklyn. Yeah. And maybe it's too redundant. Maybe you guys are close enough where it could work to join. Or I don't know, maybe there'd be co-leaders in some meetings you would join. Or Again, part of it is really for us, I think, to grow is to encourage just you know, if someone has a vision or an idea or some region or, or community, does they they can run with it, um, and and I think it will look different for lots of different areas. Mm-hmm. You know, it could be like we did the play Birth by Karen Brody um, in Syracuse a few years ago, and that was really the catalyst for our birth network um, group to start, and that's just an advocacy birth group. Um, but it was, you know, it was great to do a play together and perform together and have this whole experience around that um, as women and, and then kind of create like an advocacy group from that. Um, it could be a fundraiser for a cause. It could be anything, a movie, movie night showing that's hosted by DTI doulas, you know. It just depends on what speaks to you guys. Um, so... I don't know, maybe post, I don't know, write to her. You could post on the, the larger DTI group, mm-hmm. you know, if you're, it feels like it's kind of not happening or dragging or it's you're not hearing back or something because I know, I know I saw a couple of posts saying like, hey, I haven't heard back from anybody, hello, you know, that kind of thing. But it, it takes, sometimes it just takes more, you know, it just takes time. Um, Yeah, I'll hit her up for sure. Yeah. And I think also it can be, you know, it, it depends on how it works out for Brooklyn, but she can she can kind of help organize things, but if somebody else has an idea for something, it's open. So. Um Anything else? No. I actually have to jump off, but it was such a great, it was so great talking to you all again. Yeah, it's great to hear from you. I will talk to you soon. Okay, great. Bye. 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 Bye.
think we're set for next month. I don't have my call schedule in front of me. Does anyone have it? It's in my office, <laughs> far away in a blizzard. <laughs> I sure. do have it somewhere. Um, March 2nd. Birth trauma. Birth trauma. So, um, let's kind of, you know, we'll, we'll think about that before the call, and maybe I'll post a couple of things, too, about that that we can discuss. There's been so many different campaigns around that issue, this, especially this last year, so... What was the topic? Birth trauma. Okay. All right, you guys. Well, have a great night. All right. Good night. Great to hear from you. Okay. I'll talk to you soon. Bye. Good night. Bye-bye.